Coming up on Studios America, Jason Buttrell is here with the his latest take on uh, Israel and everything going on there. We have another edition of Bidenomics Strikes Back. And we're finally going to take care of all those racist damn birds. There's so many racist birds in the sky. We'll figure that out with you. It all starts in just a minute. But first, let me tell you about Miracle Made Bed Sheets. Uh, winter is here, and if you're having trouble finding the perfect temperature for sleeping, then you need silver-infused bed sheets by Miracle Made that were inspired by NASA. Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. Miracle Made sheets are infused with silver that will prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them clean and fresh three times longer than other sheets. Though, don't use that as an excuse to not clean your sheets. That's gross. Get them clean. But Miracle Made is the best on the market. We're talking about sheets that are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other brands. And Miracle Made sheets are the perfect gift for your spouse or your friends, or your family. Who doesn't want to sleep better and have luxurious feeling bed sheets? Go to trymiracle.com slash stew. Trymiracle.com slash stew. Get these sheets in your life today. You're going to save 40% right now. And if you use the promo code STEW at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an additional 20%. It's trymiracle.com slash stew for miracle made bed sheets. The promo code is STEW. STEW does America. As a fan of America's team, the Philadelphia Eagles, I often find myself in normal conversations saying the phrase, go birds. That's how you cheer on the Eagles. You see if another Philadelphia fan, if I'm walking down uh, the, the aisle of the grocery store, there's an Eagles shirt coming at you, you always throw out a go birds. That we, that's what you do as an Eagles fan. But we may need to revise that entire process because we've now learned that birds are racist. And I will say this. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. If birds are racist, then everybody and everything is racist. I will say it's not exactly that birds are racist. It's that apparently people that named birds at one time are racist. And you may think you know the story. And you may know the details, think you know the details behind it and all the idiotic points that I'm going to bring up today. And I'll bring them all up for you. I promise you. But you have to stick by me for a couple of minutes to get to the end of the story because it's completely bonkers. Let me start with this. Three uh, these American birds and dozens more will be renamed to remove the human monikers. Get ready to say goodbye to a lot of familiar bird names like Anna's Hummingbird, Gamble's Quail, Lewis's Woodpecker. Bewick's Bren, Bullock's Oriole, and more. I've never heard of any of those names. Not one of them have I ever heard of. Now, if you're a birder and you like to do birding, you may know all of those. They may be very familiar to you. I, I watch my birds on Sundays in the NFL. That's it. That's because the American Ornithological, or Ornithological Society, again, another word I've never heard before, um, has vowed to change the English names of all bird species currently named after people, along with any bird names deemed offensive or exclusionary. The move comes as a part of a broader effort to diversify birding and make it more welcoming to people of all races and backgrounds. Now, the first thing I want to bring up here is that they're not just going after people who are racist that named birds. 
So, like, let's just say I think the Autobahn Society was one of the ones they brought up was a problem because I guess Autobahn, whoever Autobahn was, had some uh, some quotes that maybe you wouldn't want to have in 2023. Of course, he didn't make them in 2023. He made them like 100 years ago. But, uh, you know, he said some some bad things apparently back in the day. I had never heard. I'd heard about the Audubon Society. Didn't know anything. I didn't even know Audubon was a person, frankly. Um, but he apparently was. And if you're a birder, you probably know that. Now, I guess they want to take his name off of the Audubon Society because I guess he was a bad guy or they claim he was a bad guy or they claim he was a racist. I don't know. I got to be honest with you. I didn't do all that much Audubon related research leading into this. But like they're also going after people they don't think are racist. They're taking the names of birds uh, that were named after people that they don't think said anything wrong. They don't think had any racist tendencies. But they're worried that at some point someone might say that something bad came from these people. So they're wiping out all the names right now. All of them are gone. Also, they don't want the names to sound too, I don't know, European. You know what I'm saying? Now, they're not trying to say white people shouldn't have birds named after them. They're just saying they don't want it to sound too European because that's exclusionary to other people who might be like, I was going to get into birding because I've always wanted to take binoculars and look around for birds. But then I heard a European name. So I stopped myself. There's so many people going through that mental process right now, I am sure. Uh, biologist Erica Knoll says she was recently visiting some salt marshes. I, I, I visit salt marshes all the time. Um, and she saw a common bird there that's called Wilson's snipe, which has a long bill and engages in dramatic displays, such as flying high in circles and produces a whistling sound in the air as it uh, flows over its specialized feathers. And I thought... What a terrible name. I mean, Wilson was the father of modern ornithology in North America, but this bird has so many other evocative characteristics. So the guy who's the, he's the guy, the founding father of birding in North America, and that's a crappy name because I guess his name sounds too European. So he loses the thing he discovered. You'd think you'd want the bird named after the guy who's the founding father of modern ornithology, but apparently, no, because he was too white. Whitey does not get a name for a bird. By the way, Wilson Snipe is a great name. I mean, you've got to think of birds kind of flying around, coming down and attacking stuff. Snipe, sniper, I don't know, it sounds pretty cool. Um, Noel, the same uh, person, the biologist, says people have pointed out to her that all the, that the bird, this is an amazing quote, that birds don't care what their names are. Really? They don't even care? You're telling me all this time we came up with all these great names and the birds are like, I don't even know what you're, I, what are you talking about? We just, I just call that one Heather and that one Fred. That's all. We don't, we don't, we don't use your stupid names, you dumb humans. Names, this is an amazing quote. Names are important for humans. <laughs> and this is absolutely a human-driven exercise, she says. They're important for the people who watch birds and the communities who may or may not feel very welcome. If all the birds are named after these old European ornithologists, I can tell you this. You go down to El Salvador right now, they're like, I, I don't, it's not that I want to watch soccer all day. I instead want to watch birds fly and land with binoculars. But then I saw one of them was called Wilson. And I was like, that's not an, uh, an El Salvadorian name. How, I must not be welcome in the word, the world of birding. 
no person has ever had this to happen. That no one has ever thought that. There's not one person in the world who's like, I've been meaning to watch birds, but then I heard Smith. And I was like, Smith? My name's not Smith. I don't want to watch birds if that name of that bird is Smith. This is just the beginning of this, though. Um, now, of course, we are in this period where everything is racist. Everything over and over again. You just have to come up with some way of making it racist. And, of course, it's not racist. Birds don't care. Humans also don't care about the name of birds. Did you know any of those names? I know I have a huge birding audience. But if you're not one of those people in the birders community, you probably never heard any of those names either. The American Ornithological, I'm never going to get that one right, Society and its predecessor organization have maintained a list of the official language names for birds in North America since 1886. Occasionally, bird names have been changed, most often for scientific reasons. Listen to how this, this is the news. This is what they're telling you. One notable exception came in 2000, however, when the society renamed a bird that's now called the long-tailed duck because of concerns that its previous name was derogatory to Native Americans. What the hell was the previous name? I don't know, because they don't tell you anywhere in the article. I don't know what the previous name was. They didn't even treat me as an adult enough to actually tell me what the offensive name was. So I don't even know what was offensive. What if I name a bird tomorrow and name it the same thing? Who knows what could happen? Now, another complaint from the birding society is that birds shouldn't be named. They shouldn't be named after people because if it's Wilson's snipe, it acts, it kind of sounds like Wilson owns it. And birds cannot be owned. They are free. This is legitimately what people are saying. Now, of course, go to a pet store. You'll find that birds very much can be owned. You can purchase them whenever you want. But they're getting rid of anyone or anything that has ever been accomplished. If you are an accomplished person and you've done something amazing, you are going to be erased because the idiotic ancestors, the people that came after you, whichever one that is, those idiots are so sensitive over every little thing that they don't want your name associated with your accomplishments anymore. You don't get those anymore. And this is not like, you know, the Nazis had a lot of medical um, discoveries. You can kind of see why maybe people don't want to embrace the Nazis. Okay, I got that. These are people who were very much of their time that said things that were similar to other people at their time. They're very accomplished in this particular field. It's insane that they're getting dumped. You basically have to delete all history before like 1960 in this world. Um, But it goes on. This is the first this that was the first I'd ever really recognized or heard of a name that was offensive, says uh, uh, American Ornithological Society President Colleen Handel, who says in that important point in time, concerns about injustice wasn't a traditionally accepted reason for changing bird names. This is where I about lost my mind. That really started to change in 2020 when police officers killed George Floyd in Minneapolis. Now, take a minute to think about Look, we weren't upset about bird names, but then George Floyd happened and then we were like, we got to change these bird names. And that's you might think that's where the story is going. But no, it's actually about something that happened on the exact same day that George Floyd died. It wasn't the George Floyd uh, situation. Uh, It was another situation that happened on the same day as George Floyd. And I'll tell you this, it might even be worse. That's right. You might remember this. On that same day, a white woman 
in Central Park called the police on black birder Christian Cooper, claiming he was threatening her. Less than a month later, a group called Bird Names for Birds. <laughs> Imagine you're like, you know, guys, I've been thinking about starting an organization up. And uh, it's going to be called Bird Names for Birds. What do you think? Are you going to join? I know. I, I'm going to go get a membership right after this monologue. Um, bird Names for Birds wrote of the leadership of society, pointing out the potential problems that come with. Uh, I can never do that word either. But they want to change. That's what they wanted. They didn't want the stuff to be named after people. And that's the way uh, that that worked. Now, what's fascinating about this is you might remember this story. It was called the Central Park Karen story. And what's fascinating about this is this change is a direct result of that incident. It was so bad, and it happened to a black, you remember it was a black man, but you don't, might not remember it was a black birder. He was birding at the time, which is just the dumbest name for any activity I've ever heard. Here's the thing. This story has already been thoroughly debunked. You might not even remember this because it was just swept under the carpet by every major media organization, but it has been thoroughly debunked as the narrative was told by the news. A black man watching, in, a bird watching, birding is the appropriate term, in Central Park asked a white woman to leash her dog. She called the cops. Amy Cooper charged in Central Park false report against black bird watcher or birder. And you might say, oh, I remember that. She was nuts. She was going crazy on the phone. She was saying, like, this black guy's attacking me. Let me just remind you of what this looked like. Here is the actual footage of the event from the black birder's cell phone. Would you please stop? Sir, I'm asking you to stop. Please don't come close to me. Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording. Please, please don't come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to and me. I'm taking pictures of the cops. Please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Please tell them whatever you like. I'm sorry, I'm in the ramble, and there's a man, African-American, who has a bicycle helmet. He's recording me and threatening me and my dog. There is an African-American man, I am in Central Park. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. I'm being threatened by a man in the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. I'm in Central Park in the ramble. I don't know. Thank you. Now, as someone who does uh, skepticism professionally, uh, I, even I, watching that video the first time, thought to myself, geez, like, that looks really bad. It just seems like she's trying to get a black guy arrested or, like, making a false claim and seems to have some weird racial animus tied to it. I mean, that's what it seemed like when watching the, the video. Uh, and, of course, the results were harsh. A white woman who called police on black birdwatcher or birder uh, in Central Park has been fired. Not only was she fired, they took her dog. They took her dog. They fired her, and of course, she's evil, so that should happen. Of course, later on, we sort of found out a little more about the story, the real story of the Central Park Karen. This is written by Megan Phelps Roper, who you may know, she was actually in the uh, Westboro Baptist Church as a child and uh, kind of grew into a, uh, a normal human being somehow out of that environment. Um, but uh, she wrote about this for uh, the Free Press. Uh, it's Barry Weiss's site. And Barry Weiss actually did a podcast on this too, which is honestly an incredible podcast. I mean, it's well worth your full hour just to listen to this all unfurl. But let me give you at least a little bit of a preview of it. Um, one of the things that happened, she calls to 911. And 
the, the big narrative around this was that she was so crazy. She was like losing her mind. She was so passionate and, and, and going out of control and screaming into the phone. What was wrong with her? She was just trying to fake and perform to get this man arrested. Well, that all made sense until you heard the actual 911 call. Listen to this. This has been described by some journalists as a performance almost. Mm. And certainly for me, when I saw it, like she seemed to be getting increasingly hysterical. I agree. And it, it's hard not to view that without any context as her like really trying to pour it on and make this more urgent. But we tracked down the actual 911 call audio, and that was kind of revelatory for me. I'm sorry, your phone is breaking up really bad. I can't hear anything you're saying. It is abundantly clear that the 911 operator cannot hear what Amy is saying. Ma'am, I cannot hear anything. The phone is breaking up really bad. Immediately when the call goes through, I realize it's a bad connection and they can't hear me and I can't hear them. I'm sorry, I can't hear you either. I'm being threatened by a man into the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. When I watched this video for the first time, that possibility had not entered my mind. Yeah, it didn't occur to me either. Now, putting this in context, this is May 2020. We're still in COVID freakout mode, especially in New York City, where like they really did get hit very hard early on. And this woman, to by her own admission, was completely freaked out. She had been a victim of sexual abuse in the past, and she was in a completely isolated area, protected by trees all around her, and a guy was going uh, after her. Now, what do you mean going after her? Also, by the way, the 911 call, she, they couldn't even hear her voice. That's why she's screaming. Um, but what do you mean the guy was going after her? Well, this is something that not she was claiming. This isn't something that the, the white woman was claiming. It's something that the black guy admitted to. In writing, there was a Facebook post that Christian shared when he uploaded the original video, which his sister posted on Twitter in the hours after the encounter. In the post, Christian, the black birder, recorded his contemporaneous account of what happened in the moments before the camera started rolling, before the camera started rolling. He said, quote, look, if you're going to do what you want, I'm going to do what I want, but you're not going to like it. Now, think about saying that to a woman in an isolated area and what is going through her mind as a victim of sexual assault. Christian recounted himself saying this to Amy. He also shared that he had pulled out dog treats to, tre to bring her do dog over to him and said that she, he brought the dog treats, even though he's a birder, didn't have a dog, but brought dog treats. He carries them for such intransigence. He apparently knew this type of thing was going to happen. That's very strange. Now, when you hear his calm voice on the video, that's totally different than him yelling at her previously. That sort of freaked out the woman. I move towards him and it's really weird because he's still standing there, you know, same very physical posture. And suddenly out of him comes this voice from a man who's been very dominant towards me. Suddenly, you know, almost this victimized voice saying, don't, don't come near me. Don't come any closer. Like almost like he's terrified of me. And I'm like, to me, that's even more terrifying now because it's, you know, you've gone from screaming at me. If you kept screaming at me, at least it was consistent. But now his whole verbal demeanor has changed. Now, how do we even know that's true, that there's some assault or, you know, she was actually threatened? Well, he did say that. He admitted he said that to her. But also, this is just one of a ton of incidents involving this guy at this park. 
Let me give you a quote. May 2020 testimony provided by Jerome Lockett, by the way, a black man who said Christian had aggressively threatened him in the park. Among the details, when I saw that video, I thought I cannot imagine if he approached her the same way how she may have been genuinely afraid for her life. He continued, if uh, I wasn't who I was, I would have called the police on that guy, too. Lockett also says my two fellow dog owners have had similar situations with this man, but don't feel comfortable coming forward because they're white. They think they'll be labeled as some Karen or whatever. Incredible, incredible stuff. Now, of course, the media didn't cover any of this, even though we now know they had the information the whole time. They just acted like this record did not already exist. Here's more from Barry Weiss and Honestly. And in this story, there's a woman. She's in an isolated place, butting up against the woods, and she's suddenly being threatened by a man who's much physically larger than she is. And by his own account, he says to her, if you're going to do what you want, I'm going to do what I want, but you're not going to like it. Yeah. Um, And it's one of the things that's most surprised me about media coverage of these events. Mm-hmm. A lot of the media outlets who were involved in pushing narratives about Me Too in this particular context are either completely omitting this detail of the story or they are framing it in a way that makes it seem completely innocuous. It's really incredible. And if you think that's bad, look at the way the New York Times reported it. Listen. The Times does eventually get around to quoting Christian Cooper saying, If you're going to do what you want to do, I'm going to do what I want to do, but you're not going to like it. But not until 2,300 words into a 2,500-word story. You don't get the actual threat that he issued to her until you've already read about Amy Cooper's years-old affair with a married man that ended in a lawsuit. And Mr. Cooper's childhood history of birdwatching, his love of comic books, his graduation from Harvard. Like, they made an editorial decision to bury the complicating details of this account in a way that would not create question marks around the the bit of moral clarity that they seem to be going for with this story. This needed to be a pristine account of the peril that black men face in America, of the peril that black people face just going about their daily business. And the fact that this story maybe doesn't fit that narrative never seems to enter into anyone's imagination. And they didn't care if they ruined this woman's life. She's had to move out of the country and is in hiding uh, because of all of this. Amazing. All right, uh, there's so much more to go on that story, but we don't have time. We're going to get to uh, Israel, what's going on there with Jason Buttrell. He joins us next. Let me tell you about the best in skincare from GenuCell. The brand new GenuCell 3 is finally here. It combines hyaluronic acid, iCereal, I don't know what that stuff is, goji berry, caffeine, green tea. I know what that stuff is. It sounds like a delicious drink, frankly. If it makes uh, your bags and puffiness disappear, then who cares what it is, honestly. If it works well for you, dark circles, fine lines, crow's feet can all go away from your eye contour area. This is the first GenuCell to provide instant hydrating minerals. So it sort of feels like you're just getting a facial every single day. The new GenuCell 3 is included with the GenuCell Fall Classics package, which also includes the GenuCell Jawline Treatment, GenuCell XV Anti-Wrinkle Moisturizer, and the Vitamin C Deep Firming Serum. It's like a free spa treatment every single day. If you don't look 10 years younger and get compliments everywhere you go, they'll give you your money back. They don't care. I mean, they believe in their product. Go to GenuCell.com slash do. GenuCell.com slash do. Get deep discounts on this package, or you can call them. 
800-SKIN-211. And for results in 12 hours or less, it's the immediate effects also included free. Go to JennyCell.com slash stew right now. Call 800-SKIN-211 or visit them at G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash stew. I'm going to bring in Jason Buttrell, head writer and researcher for Glenn Beck. Jason, how's it going? Uh, you can see by the hat. I know. It is going Congratulations. Great. Thanks, man. It Rangers. Have you been awesome. a lot? Are you always been a Rangers fan? Oh, yeah, man. My grandpa used to sit with, like, way back in the late 80s. Mm. He would make us watch every game, and he would have those 80s radio headphones on. Yeah. Tuning in to all the different radio broadcasts, keeping score, taught us how oh, to. I know. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. I was, I was happy to see it. I, I, I'm not a Rangers hater as much as, I mean, like, I hate the Cowboys, but I, I, don't, I don't hate the Rangers. They're fine. It was happy. It was kind of good to see. I mean, it, it's been such a long such a long time for poor Dallas, who has had to deal with year after year after year of disappointment with the Cowboys. Yeah, it's I mean, good to see the Rangers get something. When you're winning every single Super Bowl, you know what I mean? It's, I it's, do. You I, give other teams a chance. Yeah, is that what you do? For 20 plus for years. For 20 plus years. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really, uh, it was interesting. I, I will say, we've, we're, we're going to talk about more than just sports here. I am interested in, in your uh, thoughts on what's going to happen this weekend. Now, I, I'm, a, I'm an Eagles fan, but a, a massive pessimist. Like, I just assume they're going to lose every single game and when they're playing the Cowboys I really assume it because I know my life will be a living hell when they lose yeah so I don't know if I'm mentally preparing myself I just feel like they're going to lose this game but what what do you do you have confidence in the Cowboys in Philly no no (laughs) I do not really um I I, they're just not a good team I don't think this year I think they're too inconsistent yeah and I think the Eagles are kind of consistent they've lost a one stupid game one ridiculous it really should be eight no right now they should which is amazing I think I think they're the best team in the league actually right now I don't I don't, I don't think San Fran is, so. Yeah, I mean, San Fran lost three in a row. Yeah. So, I mean, but Dallas does look, when they look good, they look really good. So. Against bad teams. Against, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just the way it seems to work. Oh, yeah, they played a couple of good games this year, too. Okay, um, let's get to something maybe some people might say more important. I don't know. I'd, mm. I'd make that argument. Uh, but I, the world is on fire right now. Uh, Israel and, um, you know, the Palestinians and Hamas going uh, into battle. Uh, obviously, we know what Hamas did. Uh, we know Israel is well, had to respond, or they basically shouldn't even be a country. They've started to respond. It feels a little different than maybe, it didn't feel like, you know, Iraq, shock and awe. It doesn't yeah. have that feel at the beginning. Well, what's going on right now? It kind of is a mini shock and awe, really. Mm-hmm. Um, because So what they've been doing is, and we've all been expecting ground invasion. The Biden administration has been trying to keep them from doing ground invasion. The entire Western world's been trying to. That's not an option. They have to. They, they have to go in and fully dismantle that terror group. Hamas, but um, they've been they've been basically setting everything up with what's been called shaping operations. Mm-hmm. So um, they started off, you know, limited, you know, command and control airstrikes, which is their version of shock and awe on a smaller scale, um, taking out as many other weapons that they can see, other like uh, commanders that they can to cause a little bit more confusion. Um, then they started the ground invasion. The ground invasion has happened, just not really being reported on that much because everyone was expecting you know, it to be basically a bloodbath, to put it in so many words. Mm-hmm. I still think it is going to be very, very bloody. But the situation as it is right now, you have an evacuation zone in the south of Gaza. So a lot of people that were living there did go down to the south. Not all of them, but a lot of them did. So now the IDF has invaded. They've cut basically... Um, right in between Gaza, so split it in half, mm-hmm. right up to the border of Gaza City. And right now, they've, I think just as of maybe this morning, they reached all the way to the coast. So, and, and they've invaded from via ground in the north. So now Gaza City is completely encircled, effectively, by the IDF. 
and it's just kind of now a when will they start creeping into the city and that's where it's going to get bad when they go in the city yeah um so is this the plan? Basically, they're cutting off half the country. I don't want to say the country because it's not actually a country, but half of this you know, area, the Gaza Strip. And they're saying basically everybody north of this line we assume is a terrorist unless, unless we find out otherwise. Because it, we told you to leave. And if you didn't leave, what are we going to do? What, what more can they do to protect civilians other than tell everybody, get out of this area because this is where we're going? Yeah, um, so they're, they're not operating that way uh, as mm. far as everyone, we're assuming you're a terrorist. They're, they're not operating that way. In fact, they're still pleading for people to go down south. Mm. Um, the way they've been doing this is actually dropping leaflets, showing them the exact area they can be in and the route to where they can safely go and get down towards where it's safe. What other military in the world does that? No. I mean, you're basically saying, look, you're safe right here. You could have terrorists, and you pro they probably are taking advantage of that. Of but course. there's no other option. And you don't hear the media report that. They just report, like, uh, what was it, yesterday or two days ago when they hit that... Uh, yeah, the refugee camp. Yeah. The refugee camp, mm -hmm. which I've never seen a refugee camp quite like this before. Hmm. Um, you don't see UN tents sprung out all over the place, you know, and living out, you know, in, you know, makeshift shelters. No. There were full-on apartment buildings in this refugee camp, you know, and businesses, and it completely built up. I think it's such a misnomer to call this a refugee camp. And Israel, you know, warned them. They said, you should get down south. Things are about to get real in this area. So if they're not heeding the calls, if they're not leaving, then they're going to be one of these tragic casualties in this war. It's, it's just going to happen. But the way the media is reporting it is not reflecting the reality on the ground. And they were going when they hit this refugee camp. They also were hitting a Hamas command and control center right. and, and leaders of Hamas. They say they've killed at least one or maybe more. Mm -hmm. um, do we have any idea who this person was or, or, or how, how involved he was in October 7th? So that, that, that was one of the Hamas, Hamas commanders directly responsible for planning the October 7th mm -hmm. attack. So, and I'm sure there's multiple more, but that specific one they did, they were striking the tunnel network underneath the ground, yeah. which is absolutely nuts. And Glenn's TV show yesterday, we showed a graphic of what these look like. And the one we showed was one of their largest ones. It's actually underneath the biggest hospital in Gaza City. Now that's what we're dealing with. So that puts a context into they're, they're building headquarters and tunnel networks under a refugee camp. So the Western media will do the work for Hamas and say, oh my gosh, they're just, they're just randomly targeting right. these. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going to, if they ever go towards that uh, main command and control, the headline will be IDF targets hospital. Yeah. That's, that'll be the main headline. <laughs> uh, well, the best part about that reporting on this was like, oh, they hit this refugee camp and then the ground collapsed. I was like, well, why did the ground collapse? Uh, air could pocket? It be? Just, just, yeah, just, they just an air pocket. Just put it on an air pocket. Uh, air pocket. Um, uh, let's uh, go remind, re rewind a little bit here because you were in Israel what was a couple, few years ago when Trump moved the uh, embassy to Jerusalem. Yeah. And you and Dan Andrus, we had him on earlier this week, you guys watched basically a preview of this and, and how the IDF tried to handle an October 7th style attack. And they were being beat up in the media. I can't believe you're shooting these people. You're attacking these people who are just walking up to the, to the fence. But they knew this type of stuff was available and possible the whole time. Oh my gosh, we, so this is kind of a funny story. But uh, we, we went to Gaza and there was a firefight going on at the time because it was all blowing up. You know, They were doing a day of rage because of the embassy. And um, the Palestinians from the Gaza Strip were rushing the border. And you had a ton of Western media out there. And uh, they were all lined up. And we were just, you know, Blaze TV. We were in the back and we, we couldn't get in the main line. 
And I just, I got the information slipped to the main IDF spokesman that, uh, that you know, someone from Glenn Beck's team was here. And I saw him stop. He was talking to someone like BBC or something like that. He looks over and he goes, mouthing Glenn Beck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, <laughs> come on over. And so he takes me, myself and Dan, he takes us right up in front of, you know, their, their little media line. And I was like, okay, just tell us the context that they're not reporting on. And he goes, well, Mr. Butchell, I'd be happy to. He breaks out all of these images showing like where they're attacking with grenades, RPGs, how they're attacking his soldiers, um, how their attacks were, um, everything the IDF was doing was in response mm. to what they were getting. None of that gets out into the media. I mean, it was true back then. It was true. It was true when they were doing the embassy. It's true before that, and all the way up until now, they're still doing the same thing. It's got to be so frustrating for the IDF in Israel. Yeah, I, I, it really is. Um, let's talk about where this goes because, mm. look, we know there's going to be a ground invasion, which is already un underway. It's going to be very bloody, as you point out. Um, the risk for Israel in doing this is serious, though. This is not just okay. Well, we have to do it, so we're going to do it. There's a chance that this escalates into a much wider conflict. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing other Arab nations that had started to have some relations with Israel and now saying backing off and saying we don't want any more of this. You have Hezbollah just just north of the border. I mean, what what's what's next? Is there a plan to once this invasion really kicks in full gear that someone's going to hit them from the other side? Um, so that is the broader strategic plan. Um, for uh, you know an antagonistic state like Iran mm -hmm. to coordinate some kind of massive you know all sides all borders to hit Israel because Israel on one side on one can handle themselves on one border they can even handle themselves on two border even though it's harder but multiple different borders is where Israel is at risk a mm -hmm. war of attrition is not in their favor um, that's the six-day war was the exact same strategy strategy hasn't changed it's, it's exactly the same um, but what I'm looking at right now, what I'm most worried about is from Lebanon. Hezbollah just announced today that they're doing a major announcement uh, at 3 p.m. tomorrow, uh, Beirut time. So that's... So an, an announcement of an announcement. That means it's very important. Yeah, announcement of announcement. Yes. when it's the real. <laughs> this is a Glenn Beck tactic. He <laughs> announces that he's going to make an announcement. Yes. Uh, that's, I think that's 7 or 8 a.m. our time. So okay. in the morning. So we could be waking up tomorrow to... Something really crazy. I'm not sure what, but I mean, there's videos online now that show the preparations they're making for this announcement. Mm. Uh, it's going to be the main Hezbollah leader, Nasrallah. Um, they have, looks like to be about three to 400 chairs all out in the open and with a grand stage. So this is going to be something big mm. that, they're, that they're saying. It's the thought that it may be we're going to invade or we're entering this war. Entering that, this war. So, so that would be worst case scenario, mm -hmm. which means, you know, Israel's fought a war with Hezbollah already and they effectively kind of lost. They were forced to really? retreat back into Israel and it was mm. a stalemate. So what year was this? Uh, 2008, okay. I believe. Mm -hmm. um, so this is not a good scenario. Uh, it's definitely a major front in this war that they're going to have to be dealing with on the north. And this is if this happens. He could just be announcing what they usually do, like a bunch of threats or an escalation. That would be smart for them. But you're talking about Iran, and you're probably talking about orders directly from Iran. So, you know, if you're the Ayatollah and you believe that this is the, war, the, the, the battle to end all battles and bring forth the 12th Imam, you're probably going to want your main, you know, your main guns in the fight right now and to get into the fight. 
Um, so that, that, that's what I'm worried about the most as far as where this escalates in the future. For those who have missed Glenn talking about this, can you give people like a 60-second <laughs> version of the 12th Imam series of events? The 12th Imam is, is basically their end-time scenario. So the 12th Imam is the, mom, the Imam that will come back and lead them to victory once the world has gone through chaos. So you're talking about like this, their, their holy figure that comes down and triggers Armageddon, basically. Mm -hmm. So scary revelations type stuff. Mm. All right. Well, there's so much to be following on this. I know you're going to be doing this with Glenn as well as we go on to the upcoming weeks. The, the special is available on demand if you're a Blaze TV subscriber. Make sure to go check it out. It aired uh, last night, and it was a, an important one. Uh, Jason Buttrell, he's the head writer and researcher for Glenn Beck. Thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having me. Let me tell you about Bet DSI. What were the odds on the Rangers winning the World Series at the beginning of the season? You have any idea? Not good. Not good. No, I mean, they had lost good. over 90 games, and you could have got in. That, that's what I, one of the things I like doing is the season-long bets. Like, it's fun to go and bet on a game. But when you do that beginning, like, over-under, nine-and-a-half wins oh, yeah. on an NFL season, I, I love that because you get the entire season worth of value out of that bet. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, it's not to the end till you win or lose. BetDSI has all this stuff. They've been a leader in the industry for over a decade. Right now you can get a 120% bonus match on your first deposit. That's more than double your money when you use the code STEW120. You can bet on everything from the NFL to the NBA to baseball, whatever, MMA, even uh, MMA stuff. Uh, and, of course, you can even uh, bet on politics, uh, so check that out. You can even bet on the 2024 election. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you can play, you can win, you can get paid, and if you want the opportunity to win big, you can just go to BetDSI.com. Use the promo code STU120, BetDSI.com. The code is STU120 for your 120% bonus match on your first deposit. Please remember to bet responsibly and follow the laws in your area. Of course, it's BetDSI. Uh, Bidenomics strikes back. Yes, you may have been feeling the pain of this for multiple years. And the fact that Joe Biden has named this Bidenomics and tried to embrace it as his own is the greatest gift to conservatism uh, since Reagan. It's incredible. Um, the economy is great, though. Why are Americans in such a rotten mood? Asks, uh, what is this, the Wall Street Journal asking this? I can't remember. Um, I I'm just fascinated by this. They're so perplexed by, by everything. It's like, oh, well, I don't understand it. Everything seems so great. It's great for us. We're making tons of money. Everything seems fantastic. Well, maybe not to everybody else. And the biggest function of this, of course, is uh, the process of inflation. I mean, that's the thing that really does uh, hit people here because... You know, to economists, like, you know, having a 9% inflation rate and that dropping to 4% seems pretty good, right? It's going in the right direction. It's, high, it's double what they want it to be, but it's not horrific like 9%. And that is true. It's obviously not as bad as it was at the peak. That being said, the peak gets built into the prices. So all the stuff that used to, you know, cost X amount, cost 9% more. People got pissed off about 9% more, and now you're asking us to celebrate 3% above that number, right? Like, it's not doesn't build off the original number. It builds off the already higher number past the 9%. The 9% gets locked in. You don't lose that, and that's a big reason why people are upset. And it's also a big reason why everybody in the Democratic Party is rushing around trying to position themselves to see just in case this whole Biden thing kind of blows up. Maybe I could step in and be the next candidate. Democrats quietly move to succeed Biden. It could be in 2028 or 
maybe 2024 in case Biden unexpectedly drops out. Who are the names on the list? Well, you'd say Gavin Newsom first, of course. Of course, Gavin Newsom is not first in the article. He's way in the back somehow, even though he's been basically running for president the entire time. But uh, J.B. Pritzker, who's the Illinois governor, uh, Josh Shapiro, he's a big guy. Uh, everyone's talking about in Pennsylvania is maybe the next uh, big Democratic thing. Um, Ro Khanna as well. He's in there. Cory Booker. Come on, that's not going to happen. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer, please. Vice President Kamala Harris. All these people are lining up, not because Joe Biden is so strong that they think they can't wait to just run after him in 2028. No, no. They're thinking this guy's really weak and there's going to be no one to succeed him uh, if he if he go, if he somehow wins this or loses and they need someone in 2028. Sure. But also 2024 still seems far away for a guy like Joe Biden. I mean, every day it's amazing that he makes it through. I think we're all amazed every day he's, he wakes up in the morning. It's incredible. So they're looking at this just like you're looking at this. They know he's weak just like you know he's weak. Real estate agents I trust. Dot com. Yes, it's a place to go to find the best real estate agent in your town. Why would you want to do such a thing? Well, you can go with the crappiest real estate agent in town. You could start your own site called Crappy Real Estate Agents that you don't trust if you want. And you can go to that and find the worst real estate agent around. But why would you do that when you can have the best and the site's already built? Realestateagentsitrust.com. Whether you're buying a home, selling a home, it doesn't matter. You need to have the best case scenario on either side of that transaction. You have to have someone representing you that you believe in. That's why realestateagentsitrust.com exists. This is a free service to you. You're not paying a dime. You check it out today at realestateagentsitrust.com. The name kind of says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. Well, you may know that Andrew Cuomo is awful. Dot com. That's true. But lost in the awfulness of Andrew Cuomo and his uh, sudden departure from his office uh, is the fact that Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, is also really, really bad. I mean, his record around COVID was in some ways worse than Andrew Cuomo. Uh, not maybe not as quite as bad overall, but pretty close. He was really, really bad as, as the COVID thing went on. And he even in a bright blue state squeaked out reelection uh, in one of the most corrupt states in the union. Well, there's even more corruption now uh, going on. The New Jersey governor spent $12,000 on stadium events, including a Taylor Swift concert. And you might say, how the hell did you get into a Taylor Swift concert for $12,000? No one can do that. Well, this is back in 2018 when Tay-Tay was a little bit of a smaller celebrity. You were able to walk into a concert for like $1,000 back then. I know, it's crazy. This is before the whole Jason Kelsey thing came along and made her famous. So... Or no, it's Travis Kelsey, sorry. The other Kelsey. Anyway, um, Murphy uh, said that he uh, did not, uh, he had a bunch of excuses that I don't have time to run through, but he eventually made sure that it was consistent with his practice that he's had for many years now, which apparently is going to concerts and stadium events on the dime of the New Jersey taxpayer, which is fantastic. And, I, I, and you know what? I got to say this to you, New Jersey. I love you. A lot of Eagles fans there, so some of your people are actually good people. Um, but you, you deserve every little bit of it if you voted for this guy.
YouTube.com slash Stew Does America. Go there and follow the page, follow the show. You get all the shows every single day on YouTube, but also click the bell for notifications. Why? Well, we're going to be doing a bunch of live broadcasts as we get closer and closer to the election. Uh, Post-game coverage uh, of the debates, pre-game coverage, uh, walking you through all the election results in Iowa and all these other places. So check that out. YouTube.com slash Stu Does America and sign up for Blaze TV as well. Big discount going on now. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu Plus. You'll save 36 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV.